0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Episode 7, a lesson from a long winter and the making of the first novel in the Storm Lord trilogy series, The Flaming Blue Sword. Hello everyone, Sydney St. James with you. I'm sitting at my desk here in my home in the Lakeside Subdivision in Georgetown, Texas, looking out along the Greenbelt and seeing beautiful Lake Georgetown not far down the hill. The mild weather and the hordes of returning students with backpacks on their shoulders after our year-long pandemic. Walking along the sidewalks to the nearby bus stop are reminders that school is beginning to be back in session. I can't say I'm sad about the passing of winter, but, and I have to say, I'm talking to you about two snowstorms in Texas, two weeks of snow on the ground. Come on now. I've never seen it in my life, but I've looked back over the past few months to see if there are any lessons we all could have learned from this time. Well, here are a few thoughts on this past winter season. Have you heard the old saying, If life happens to give you a basket full of lemons, go and make some lemonade. This was a winter of ups and downs with a lot of good mixed in with some bad. I was fine one day and then the next. I was lying in a hospital, having my gallbladder removed. Sometimes those lemons in life are simply not worthy of making sweet lemonade. Sometimes, They suck. At those times, I bury my head down and get through it all by producing another podcast, or narrating a new audiobook, or just going down and playing pickleball at the Georgetown Rec Center five days a week. Things will be better on the other side, I'm sure of it. So, you might ask, what did I do? Well, I enjoyed where I was in my new home in Georgetown and the time I spent with the woman I've loved for some 40 plus years. The winter was filled with visits from our children and other family members and friends and neighbors. Although, it was strange social distancing with our own family members. Lots of laughs. Sometimes, it's too easy to get wrapped up in the daily stuff, and miss the joy of being with the people who mean the most. Take care, my friend, of self-promoted perfection. That's right. I would like to offer this bit of advice that came from my experience over the winter season with some landscape and irrigation contractors. After working with my irrigation system in the last home I lived, I must tell you, I'm not a novice. I knew what I was talking about. So, we hired someone to plant some new plants and put in grass and a new irrigation system. We tried to do the right thing. We checked out Angie's List. We read reviews. And we interviewed contractors from big box stores. In the end, we decided on a company in the middle of the price range. But I was troubled from the get-go by the owner's superlatives with his work ethic. His customers love his landscape work. He won't leave until everything is absolutely perfect, because he always strives for perfection. As time passed, we also heard about financial schemes that would have made him rich several times over. But it seemed that the circumstances were always against him. Now, two months later, spring is hitting and he's coming back to take care of items that fell short of perfection the first time. There was dead grass all over the place. And when I pulled it up, I found flat rocks and no dirt under the grass. There was one line where the valve stayed open and cost a fortune on the water bill. And he never looked my wife in the eye one time and answered any of her questions. I'm afraid we hired the cat in the hat for our landscaping job. The whole place was soggy outside and we finally changed contractors. The lesson? Watch out for people who self-promote in the superlative and trust what I'm saying to you today. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Another lesson, try to be nice. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But when things are going south, I find it difficult to suffer fools gladly. I need to remind myself that I know nothing about what other people are going through, just as they don't know anything about me. I found that giving someone a smile or a kind word not only makes them feel better, but it makes them feel good too. And another thing, and it's probably most important, take time to read another Sydney St. James novel. Absolutely. This is important. I talk about this in many of my posts found at my blog site, sydneyst.james.com. All these last long six winter months with getting snowed in for weeks in Texas gave me a chance to read and write. As always, I escaped in my most recent final two novels, True Love Ways and I Fall to Pieces. Both titles coming from one of my favorite groups in the 1960s, Peter and Gordon. I was in another world And another time. Even if it was in the pages of a book, it's a fantastic way to raise my spirits. And then finally, a lesson I learned over this winter, believe in yourself. For me, this dovetails into my writing. I can do this because I believe. Well, Enough of my lessons learned from this long snowstorm of a winter that we've had in Texas. Let's get on with the making of the Storm Lord trilogy series, and in particular, book one, The Flaming Blue Sword, A Paranormal Romance. Can a dream come true Was someone who has been dead for two centuries? She just wanted to find herself. That's all. What she found changed her life. And her heart forever. Angelica Thompson, an award-winning romance novelist, decided to end her turbulent relationship back home in Denver, Colorado. And she headed out west to a secluded spot on the shores of Black Rock Cove in Oregon. Writer's Block was preventing her from finishing her last novel in her paranormal romance series, and she was being pressured by her publisher, the Bebop Publishing Group, to finish by the end of the summer. Angelica discovered, the very first night of her arrival, how vividly, her mind's thoughts and dreams came alive. Her imagination of a dead sea captain, a black panther pouncing on her for his evening meal, and falling and falling to her death in a cove hundreds of feet below are only the beginning. Janie, a local real estate agent, woke her in her cottage. But was she awakened? If so, was she awakened during a dream or could it have been real? An ancient prophecy of destruction has now been set in motion and what destiny has in store for Angelica and the entire village of Black Rock Cove was more significant than anyone could possibly imagine. Angie sat on the front porch staring out over the Pacific Ocean while her mind got lost in another dream. She could see the fishing village of Black Rock Cove off in the distance, standing like that of a skeleton. She dreamed of barren wastelands, empty now that disease took over whatever the fire didn't. Even the Pacific Ocean stood still, like a semi-stagnant pool of death and decay. There were no waves as even the wind appeared to have left the earth. The skies were barren. No seagulls flying over or squawking their usual morning sounds. All the while, the oppressive heat came down like the breath of Lucifer himself. The end is coming That's unless, of course, Angelica and the others learn to believe in what is about to happen and trust each other. If not, they may never, ever unravel the mystery surrounding Jonathan Knight's death, the sea captain from 200 years ago. Is the Black Panther what he really appears to be? What is it? that's so strange in how he comes and goes. Hmm. Let's take a little snippet from our story, shall we? Angelica heard voices calling out to her and shouted back in return. Who's there? Is there someone out there? Her words drowned out from the waves crashing below the cliff. The sound got louder and louder, She approached what appeared to be a blue radiance gleaming over the cliff's edge, down in the area where huge black rocks jutted up from the ocean floor. Thinking it was the same glow she saw earlier, she gazed out to sea, and the same blue light was still there. Angelica no sooner got nearby the edge of the cliff A sliver of moonlight broke through the overcasting evening. A growling sound came from the nearby bushes atop Bluff. Standing within only a matter of a few feet was a giant black panther. The ferocious feline was crouched, preparing to spring and attack. His eyes glowed fiercely like fire, but with a cold color of blue. The darkness around her had robbed her of her best sense and replaced it with a paralyzing fear. In her frozen state of terror, Angelica's muscles cramped. She was unable to move as the horror of the moment held her in a vice. The author's eyes continued to scrutinize the panther. Why not? She had no place to go, with a large aspen to one side, a rock to the other, and the edge of the frightening cliff right behind her. The panther took a cautious step in Angelica's direction. His long tail moved softly back and forth, as though it was the hand on a metronome. Angel was not as much in fear of the roar of the panther, as she was to whom the roar was directed. Color drained from her face. She edged backward. Her hands clenched, and her heart was racing. All she wanted to do was just curl up in a ball and hope someone would come and save her. But no one will. No one was there. Rapid thoughts shot through her head. Jesus Christ, what's wrong? I can't move. My eyes are still there. I can feel them blink. Moving is not a smart choice, is it? God, please. My first night here, and it looks like it's going to be my last The panther turned his attention to the sound of the mother deer and a little one nearby. It appeared they were going to be a better supper for the hungry feline. He took two steps away from Angel, but turned and walked back with only slight hesitation. Angel scooted her feet slowly away from the panther, but more near the jagged edge of the cliff. She came to an abrupt stop. Her heart, pounded in her chest. She can't stop. She searched for the meaning behind what was happening while her breast pounded erratically at the threatening growl of the black beast. Now only three or four steps away from her. Angelica continued to hold the light of her flashlight on the hungry cat. The fearful sound the panther made Obviously, preparing to pounce and devour its prey was a vivid experience. Not one she would soon forget if she doesn't become his dinner. That is, a choked cry for help edged its way up her throat. It seemed as though there was little doubt. This was going to be the end of the road for her. The panther knew his roar was to unsettle Angel and not allow her to escape, but to shock and unsettle her, so her shivering body was easier for him to overcome. Kittens play for him to devour for his early evening meal. One more snarl, and the panther sprung high in the air. Angelica dropped her flashlight, turned, and leaped in the only direction she could over the side of the cliff. While she tumbled and tumbled down the side, a loud report of what sounded like a carbine rang through the air. Her eyes were frozen wide open. A look of desperation crossed her face. In an instant, Angel's fall came to an abrupt stop by the roots of a magnificent aspen tree on the edge of the cliff. They jet out in many directions caused by the waves washing against the cliff for years upon years, exposing them. Smitten with panic, she clutched one of the large tree roots with her bruised and delicate hands. She gasped for air, but more importantly, tried not to let loose of her grasp on her lifeline. She couldn't help but notice the giant black rocks defined by a slight glow of the slither of the moonlight breaking from the overcast skies. Its magnificence came and went from the huge crossing breakers below. She screamed, help me, help me please. She trembled while her mind spoke to her, good God, what the hell am I doing? I've got to be kidding myself. There's not a soul around that's going to hear me. Well, we don't wish to give it away whether or not she fell to her death at the bottom of the cliff or, hmm, by some miraculous way, maybe she was saved. If you get the time, you really must give the flaming blue sword a read. Experience the power of true love. Feel the intensity of genuine emotion when one woman loves one man, but powerful forces threaten to keep them apart forever. See real magic and fear real evil. Find true love. Well, That's it for me today, Sydney St. James, in explaining a little about the first novel in the Storm Lord Trilogy series. It is also the first series where I recommend young adult, not younger than 18 years of age, read as the love scenes might get a bit steamy for the younger age boys and girls to read. So, after this, stay tuned for my next episode, The Making of Nine Months Will Tell, the second novel in the Storm Lord trilogy series. Till then, happy listening, my friends.